0: one next step. That's one 800 639 8783 Or text next step to 53342. New York call the 24-7 Hope line at one hope 8 Hope Or text Hope and Y 467-369.
1: The Darth the Means Rule of Two, the Star Wars podcast here on Count the Dings. This episode is so special, Maze, we're giving it to the people for free. How about that?
2: Well, if that isn't the quack to calling the stifling slimy...
1: <laughs> oh, well done there. Well played. But yes, we're giving this episode for free. If you want all the other episodes, the recaps of each episode of The Mandalorian Season 2, as well as our kind of preview of the new slate of shows and movies coming from Star Wars in the next couple of years. You need to be a Patreon. Subscribe, patreon.com slash count the things. Trust me, we got Easter eggs in there. We've got all types of tidbits of information that you want to know. You'll enjoy. It's absolutely worth it. And you don't just get this, the Darth of Me rule of two podcasts. You get a lot of other extra content from this, like our live shows, overflows for bomb. And uh, our Cinephobe uh, Special Edition episodes, like the Christmas one that's coming up for Christmases. But this one's free. And I know what you think. is all because I mean that Mandalorian Season 2 finale was so amazing. You had to give this one for free. In part. But the bigger thing is the guests that we have on this episode. As I'm sure you read in the episode description, you know, we have very special guests. Jonas Suatamo, the man who plays Chewbacca in the new trilogy and also in the movie Solo. I actually crossed paths with Jonas uh, inadvertently at Star Wars Celebrations a couple of years ago. And so I'm going to ask him about that. And We really had a good time talking about his experiences and also because he's a huge Star Wars fan. So he's got his own takes on what's happened in The Mandalorian, what's to come. I to him as... Chewbacca but we're also talking to Jonas the Star Wars fan so definitely stay tuned for that later in the episode that's why this episode is free but before we get into that maze we gotta get into Mandalorian season two finale and I don't know where do you want to start with this one maze oh boy
2: I feel like we should start at the end honestly just because it's so overwhelming and kind of work our way back there is a lot of stuff that they managed to address earlier in the episode that i think is worth discussing but
1: the ending stole the show of course we're talking about good old boba fett no we're not talking about boba fett right now <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> well let me describe it maze the way i processed it when i was watching it real time with my 10 year old it's a very tense scene with moff gideon and the the dark troopers are right outside the door they're pounding on the door everything seems to be Collapsing on our heroes. What, what's going to happen now? These dark troopers that we thought were done and were injected out into the vacuum of space actually flew back and reboarded the the Imperial cruiser. Mob Gideon is doing his victory lap. We notice a, an approaching aircraft, and Cara Dune turns around and says, Oh, great, a single X Wing. That'll help. We're saved. And I go, <gasps> And my kid looks at me and realizes I'm reacting, and my kid says, Is it Ahsoka? And I said, Sokka, don't fly no X-Wing. And that's when my kid was like, oh, it's Luke. And Luke boards a plane, and he's shrouded. He's going through, and he's mowing down these dark troopers. I'm sure everyone has made this comparison. It is very, very much like Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. Like father, like son. If that seems very, very similarly choreographed and shot, et cetera, et cetera, Believe this might be the first time this has been ever revealed, but I've known this for a while. That that last scene in Rogue One with Vader was actually written by Dave Filoni, uncredited, mm. and so that's why those two scenes are very, very similar.
2: This was absolutely spine-tingling, yeah, television moment. I mean, yeah, not just the best moment of 2020 on television, but Maybe in the last like five years, up against anything that Game of Thrones has ever done, and for whatever reason it's because I thought it was off
1: limits. I mean, yeah, I didn't think that they would be allowed to do it. no I mean look the amount of putting this thing into Canon, you're also bringing back Mark Hamill, right So Mark has to be on board to do this and then we're investing the technology. To do the crazy CGI. The Irish Mandalorian. Yes, exactly. And so all of these things, you know, and obviously you want the blessing of Disney. You want the blessing of Lucasfilm. And given the way Favreau and Filoni operate, you want the blessing of George. They wouldn't do anything that George would not approve of. Not that he has veto power, but just because that's the level of respect they have, right? And so, for all of these really kind of far fetched, long shot ideas, but at the same time, Maze, there exists the reality that, much like I said, Rogue One can't end with Cassian Andor and Jin Erso being alive, because how do two pivotal people in the rebellion just say, All right, we got to the plans, Uh, we're going this way now? It can't be. The only logical explanation is. They die. Similarly, Grogu cannot exist as an extremely force-sensitive being who was at the Jedi Temple when Order 66 went down, and for him to sit on a rock and for a beacon and Luke Skywalker not to not to pick up on it as he's trying to build his Skywalker Academy for kids who can't read good.
2: And want to learn to do other
1: stuff good too so on the one hand, there's immense logistical obstacles to making this happen, and on the other hand, from a storytelling standpoint, yeah man who who else? like you said, a very spine tingling moment where we see Luke he basically comes through and, and now now I, I do have two. Criticisms, Maze. and and i know it's not is one of them the de-aging the de-aging technology was definitely not what they used on rogue one it was the tv version it's the first time in two seasons of the mandalorian that i felt aware
2: so you think it was worse than than tarkin and leia yes okay i thought it was the same no it took me out each time i'm i understand why i'm not against it i understand why they do it it just makes sense. You need that character there at that time, and you know you don't want to cast another actor. No, no, no. I get, Totally I, I, get that, but it takes you out. It doesn't look real.
1: It looks like a video game. It looks yeah. like a video game. Cutscene. I'll tell you what, what it was, Maze. From afar, when he takes off the hood, and he's over there in the doorway, and we're, I was like, okay, I can see that they did it, but it's like, we're far enough that the details don't kick in. But then there's a couple of times when he starts talking and they went, tight shot. And I'm looking at a screenshot right now. And the tight shot is just like, no, it's clearly not. And I get it. I mean, we're doing the best that we can with what's available to us. But I just wish they maybe it's stayed wide shot or, you know, over shoulder so that we don't actually see his face. You know, just kind of cheat, acknowledge that the technology isn't where it needs to be. And so we're going to cheat this shot as much as we can. What's your other criticism? The other criticism was the music. You didn't like the return of John Williams' score? No, man. I mean, like, they did at the end. But, like, the vast majority of him cutting down these guys, it's a very kind of calm, ethereal music. And I I wanted it to be either Luke's theme, or Luke's theme-based, I should say, or Maze, I wanted it to be something very powerful. Like, for instance, when uh, the name of the song is Hope. Yeah, that's kind of dual the fatesy. I got you. Yeah, like really dramatic. Like, this, well, this shit's about to hit the fan right here.
2: They deviated from the normal Mandalorian woodwinds. Type music that they stick to yes. for the most part, and so there was like a dramatic difference to the rest of the theme. Also, we had like the Dark Troopers, like Nine Inch Nailsy <laughs> music that they had when they showed up. But yeah, I, I I liked it. I thought it was fitting that it was different for this scene, and I'm just kind of willing to let them. It wasn't 100 perfect, but the power of the moment was so strong that of course you can poke holes in it, like. I thought the guy did a good job of, you know, fighting with the hood down, <laughs> which was right. a bit over the top,
1: but it was cool. No, but I like that. I, You know, again, maybe I'm just a nerd, but I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the idea that even though we knew who it was, by virtue of the craziest stuff, it's like it's not just the X-Wing and the hood, but it's like you see his hands. Yep. And the one hand is, is gloved and the other hand is bare. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, like again, it's like it's. Not that you needed any hints after you see the green lightsaber. That's, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it, man.
2: <laughs> it was so good. I mean,
1: it was, I mean, it's really well done. It was done. unbelievable,
2: I mean, man. It just took it. It took the show to another level that exceeded my imagination of what the
1: show could be. You know what else? When they're watching on the monitors, yeah, It's reminded me of when Obi Wan and Yoda go to the security tapes. At the Jedi Temple. See what happened. How did all these younglings get killed? You see Anakin. And they see Anakin. It's the same thing.
2: Yeah, I also like that because it turned Grogu into a viewer avatar, you know, watching this happen. Yes. Also, them all getting to see it. It's important that they know how it went down.
1: Right. <laughs> For the legend. Like, they're watching this dude. Yeah, they're watching the Luke Skywalker, like you said, the legend, which is funny because obviously Grogu is much older than Luke is. But yet, there's still that that element of like I'm looking up to this guy.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh man, the I'm so I'm rewinding it right now, and the scene is Grogu's touching the screen, mm-hmm. and the elevator's coming up, and the Dark Troopers are getting ready. Yep. And they're just all waiting, and you see like the 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 lights, the elevators beeping, and the lights are going, and everyone's just kind of staring, and it's just that the Mando's watching it on on the screen. Cara Dune's at the ready with the gun. You know, uh, Sh- uh, Fennec Shand is there with the gun. Everyone's watching this goddamn elevator, either on a screen or in person. And then the doors open and he just like slide left to right, that, 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 cutting them through. Uh, it's just, you know, it is – <laughs> he's in the force push, cutting the guy in half, pulling the guy towards him and then slicing, pushing him again. Like he's going everything and then Maze, the ultimate fatality, the best one of them all. The can crumpling. Hand crumpling, man. I mean, that's just that is as badass as it gets. That's just like I'm going to enjoy this. Like I'm not I'm not just trying to get through this, right? It's like Vader Vader lifting the guy up against the ceiling, and then slicing him. You don't do that for any other reason, just to let everybody know I'm the fucking man. There's no other other purpose. There's no efficiency in that. You are stunting right there. And in this case, he was, as you mentioned, stuntin' like his daddy. All right,
0: let's go back to the beginning
2: of the episode. Written by John Favreau. Who else? Directed by Peyton Reed, who also did Chapter Ten or Episode Two of this season. We've got Sasha Banks back as Koska Reeves. Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan. Omid Abtahi is Doctor Pershing. John Carlos Pozito is Moff Gideon. And then Boba Fennec, Cardoon, and Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. Dun dun dun. Or is he? Well, so, I mean, it's a it's a stunt man. And also Mark Hamill's face
1: and his voice. One, one last thing, because I got the scene running. And after all of that shit just happens, Luke Skywalker walks in and Bando says, are you a Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, what, what do you think you just saw there? This Luddite, dude. Jesus Christ. I mean, I get it. Like, is this what Jedis do? I mean, be like, come on, man. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Go, continue. So
2: slave one is chasing Dr. Pershing's Imperial Shuttle, hits him with an Ion cannon, which we haven't seen in a little while. There's a standoff, this very Aryan co pilot holds the clone engineer at gunpoint. There's some Alderon banter. He saw oh. Kara's tear.
1: He was yeah. on the Death Star. She says, Which one? It's a nice kind of like comeback for <laughs> someone who just brought up your planet that was (laughs) exploding.
2: Says destroying Alderaan was a small price to pay to rid the
1: galaxy of terrorism.
2: Yeah, push that narrative.
1: That is something that, you know, people who talk about Star Wars all the time often point out. It's like, yo, the rebels are kind of like they're terrorists, man. Like, they went, they strapped themselves to some bombs and tried to blow up the fucking thing, you know. (laughs) It's a suicide mission, so that's kind of terroristic, but it's like, it goes to show that, like, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. One man's law and order is another man's imperial oppressor. And that the people who were in the Empire, many of whom thought they were doing the right thing. They never considered themselves to be evil or bad. They go to a planet with many large
2: smokestacks. I don't think we know which planet this is. And enter a bar. Bo-Katan Kryze has a large... Mandalorian ship known as a gauntlet fighter parked outside inside the bar. There are several Aqualish, uh, Rodian strides into shot. There's a human character wearing a long helmet in the style of the original trilogy's rebel Alliance. Yeah. It's also plenty of Spotchka for everyone. The blue drink. Mando asks for help offers Bo-Katan Gideon's cruiser and Boba and Casca are real contentious. Yeah. Well, if that isn't the quack to calling the stifling slimy, that is a new expression that means absolutely nothing. A lot of gibberish. You'll be talking through the window of a back to tank.
1: Yeah, that, that I enjoyed that line. It's real badass. A Bacta tank, if you don't know, obviously is the thing that if you remember Luke Skywalker at the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back, as he's recovering, they put him in the in the tank. That Bacta fluid has healing properties. Also, Darth Vader in his castle and Mustafar. Had a permanent back-to-tank there because he's constantly in pain, so that thing helps him. Also, in The Last Jedi, we see the evolution of the back-to-tank to to the back-to-suit, which is what Finn is wearing when he wakes up from his coma.
2: Bo-Katan recognizes Boba's voice and knows he's a clone. I like that. Sasha Banks delivers some terrible dialogue in this scene, but she makes up for it with some excellent wrestling moves got exposition on the dark saber and setting up season three i think i mean the return to mandalore
1: yeah perhaps uh i like now i'm kind of confused to be honest and we'll get to this in a little bit but like that's
2: the last discussion we need to have is where the fuck are we going right pershing talks about the dark troopers clarifies that it's third generation they're now droids dark troopers are in cold storage grogu's in the brig bo-katan breaks down the plan Those Dark Troopers are going to be real skankin' the scud pie.
1: We got a lot of cussing in this episode. Star Wars cussing.
2: Bo-Katan and Kara both want Gideon. Bo-Katan needs him to surrender so she can get the Darksaber back. Slave One pursues the shuttle and they fake a distress call. Gideon deploys TIE Fighters. He's not fooled at all. I wonder if that's because they sent a hologram message last week. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Mando... Next time, maybe don't announce that you're on your way. There's the
2: great nuts and bolts of how TIE Fighters are launched in the launch tube. We see them deployed on the vending machine of TIE Fighters. Boba easily takes them out after the shuttle comes careening into the launch tube. They clear the loading dock of enemies. And I realized on the second watch that it's four badass space women, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I I, I realized that watching right away and i thought about it's weird because i'm like are, are we sending a message or does it just it just so happened that way
2: well i think it's intentional that they left out axe wolves the third member of their little posse
1: yeah i guess so
2: gideon activates the dark troopers but they take a little while to warm up mando is sneaking around to the brig there's a dope moment when the mandalorians jump off a bridge And then come back up to flank a squadron with their jetpacks. Jetpacks, yep. Right before Mando can seal off cold storage, a dark trooper grabs the doors and breaks through and then just starts smashing Mando's helmet into the wall. Yeah. Mando uses all of his weapons, blaster, flamethrower, whistling birds. Nothing's working. And then almost by accident, he picks up the Beskar spear. (laughs) And that works. He sticks it through the dark trooper's neck. And then... He sucks the remaining dark troopers out into space.
1: Which I thought was a brilliant move. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like,
2: Immediately, I was like, but they can fly.
1: Oh, I, I forgot all about that. I was like, because I to, like the, the vacuum of space. is just pulled them away.
2: At the time, I was like, well, my, that's awfully convenient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of them
1: took you 10 minutes by yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, that's pretty smart, though. Like, it's a good device, to get though. Of, yeah.
2: Car's big gun is jamming. She's messing with it in the elevator. We get another dank ferric and a son of a mud scuffer. They reach the bridge and clear it, but Gideon isn't there. Mando is getting used to his new weapon, so he takes out two stormtroopers with the spear. And then in the brig, Gideon is holding the dark saber above Grogu. Yeah. A friendly piece of advice. Assume that I know everything. Giancarlo Esposito acting
1: his ass off. Yeah, but why is Grogu not doing anything?
2: He's handcuffed, you know. Those tiny handcuffs are on so. And so the so the the force is He's neutralized. Yeah, by, by the
1: handcuffs, yeah. Okay. He
2: can't get his arm above his shoulder, so he can't do anything. <laughs> That's <laughs> Gideon shows off how he's two steps ahead, calls Bo-Katan and company murderous savages, so, you know, murderous savages, terrorists, not the best. The best image in the galaxy. Gideon says the dark saber brings power and is the claim to the Mandalorian throne. Mando just wants the kid. Gideon says I already got the blood, so I'm good. This child is extremely gifted and has been blessed with rare properties that have the potential to bring order back to the galaxy.
1: Always big on order in the Empire, right? Always big on order. Bring order to the galaxy. There never was order, or at least not in the Outer Rim. Like, this has always been a shithole.
2: <laughs> and that is lifted more or less verbatim from Darth Vader's speech to Luke at the end of The Empire Strikes Back. We can end this destructive conflict, bring order to the galaxy.
1: You, they're, they're really big on it.
2: Gideon says, take him, but leave the ship. And then, like, I was like, this is too easy. <laughs>
1: yeah, of course, yeah. Like, <laughs>
2: swings on Mando with his back turned, also kind of dumb, like... Why swing at the Beskar? But it was a pretty good fight. Mando uses, eventually uses the Beskar spear, and it clashes with the Darksaber. It glows hot where it makes contact. And at this point, I mean, it took me this long. I realized,
1: oh, yeah, in Game of Thrones, he used a spear too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. His character, as what was his name? Oberyn Martell. There we go, Martell. That's right, House Martell. And right, then Europa.
2: it really shook me when he wins the fight again, but doesn't finish off his opponent. Clearly, he's learned
1: nothing. Nothing.
2: You've learned nothing. You're sparing my life. Well, this should be interesting. Back on the bridge, Bo-Katan is extremely pissed that Mando has the dark saber now. Yeah. Gideon is just gleefully expositioning his way through this entire scene. Says Bo-Katan should kill Mando now. Mando tries to give it to her, but it must be won in battle. She must defeat him in combat. And this is the same rules as the Elder Wand in Harry Potter, I mean. Oh, I did not know that. The Magic Wand will not have boosted effects unless you win it in a duel. But I've heard that apparently this is not how the Darksaber worked in Clone Wars. Is that true?
1: It is how it worked. But Bo-Katan herself received it from sabine Wren in rebels i remember that episode like sabine was like here you you take it and book that was like cool so like it is traditionally it, they're right the 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 person who wields a dark saber is the ruler of mandalore and also they will fight over it and the winner will inherit it so this is all true but it is a little odd i'm like Wait a second, like it's not just that it's happened before it happened to Bocatan herself. <laughs> You've been gifted this thing before, so I, I was a little miffed by that, but you know, we'll pretend I guess that didn't happen or or maybe I have to go back and watch rebels again, and maybe there's a there's a copy out there that I'm missing
2: before they can resolve this though, the dark troopers are coming home to roost. How many life forms? none more giddy and gloating. Car tosses them onto the ground on top of a blaster. They seal the bridge blast doors, and then two dark troopers are just going to punch their way through it. (laughs) Just two of them. They don't need any extra help. Gideon threatens Mando that everyone will be dead except for him and the child. As the tension builds and the blast doors falter, proximity alert goes off, and that's when the lone X-Wing fighter approaches. Bo-Katan sees a hooded figure making its way through the ship and says, A Jedi? Hmm. and we talked about this by the
1: way did did i not call it
2: oh you called it with the jedi academy for sure yep yes 100 i mean you use the force (laughs) you sense the disturbance and you have brought balance and order to the galaxy all too easy
1: that's another star wars reference
2: gideon finally makes his move at a really late point and tries to shoot and shoots at Casca. And then he tries to shoot Grogu Mando dives in front of him, like secret service. And then Cara knocks his ass out. Grogu puts his little claw on the screen. And then there's a nice little moment where when the doors open, Luke emerges from the smoky opening and he's bathed in light. And it's very counter to when Vader turned his lightsaber on and he's just shrouded in darkness in the hallway in rogue one. We get the DH Mark Hamill. Luke extends his hand to Grogu, but Grogu wants Mando's permission. Luke says talent without training is nothing. Luke's going to have Grogu draining three-pointers and Instagram workouts in no time. I mean,
1: yes, it's (laughs) going to be a great
2: summer for Grogu.
1: And a hoodie hoodie, Grogu.
2: (laughs) Mando picks Grogu up. Grogu touches his helmet. Mando takes the helmet off, and they stare at each other. Grogu touches his face. It's time to go. Don't be afraid. And then Grogu is clinging to his boots, staring up at him. It's this maximum cuteness. Why not bring in more cuteness? R2-D2 comes around the yeah. corner. Beeps at Grogu. Grogu coos at R2-D2. Grogu gets picked up by Luke. May the force be with you. They get in the elevator and take off. Credits. Or not.
1: Or is it? We go to Tatooine to the unmistakable exterior of Jabba's palace. And Maze, I must admit, I thought. Oh, so that's where they made the academy. <laughs> As I thought Lucas went in and like, yeah, I own this shit now. So uh, we're going to call this the playroom over here, whatever. But when we get to the interior, we see my man Bib Fortuna.
2: Bib Fortuna. Bad Fortuna for him today.
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, fat Fortuna. <laughs> bad Fat Tuna. For, no, Fortuna for steak, for chicken. For donuts, for all the food. That motherfucker's put on some pounds. He's sitting on Java's throne. I guess, does this mean that? That's what it means. The chair adds 10 pounds. But the idea that he's the man now. Dog. uh, It's just, you're the man now, dog. It, it, It was just hilarious to me. Because he's such a moron, right, in Return of the Jedi.
2: I imagine that their business is sufficiently down. Like, it can't be good times. Like, Jabba was already, you know, not the most competent really? drug lord or whatever the fuck. Like, he wasn't? I mean, he was getting washed at the end there.
1: Oh, he got washed because the fucking Jedi shows up. Like, how often does that happen?
2: Well, I'm just saying he was sitting on his ass, like, watching the strippers dance. You know, like, he, he wasn't in... Of course top of his game
1: i mean i think he was in terms of everybody every regular person every uh, the reg- regular scum and villainy uh clearly the empire didn't want to fuck with him that's true the hutt family is one of the the big crime syndicates in star wars right even in the prequels in the clone wars like the huts are out here running shit man so like java's very powerful I mean, even, they like how Luke comes in. Luke comes in fucking humble as shit. Jabba, the most powerful, most exalted, da-da-da. Like, I'm going to ask real politely and da-da-da. Like, yo, what can we do? And by the way, here's these drawings or whatever. And Java like, fuck that shit. I'm Jabba.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because. Push my desk button. Go deal
1: with my rancor. At the very least, who the fuck are you, right? At the most, I know who you are. You're that little snot-nosed, sniveling, whiny kid from Mos Eisley. There's no intimidation here. It's Jabba, baby. Like, this is Jabba's world. And so for him to fall and for Bib Fortuna to be the, the heir apparent? Like, come on, man. This dude falling for Jedi mind tricks.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine that business is booming under Bib Fortuna. But there's a new <laughs> there's a new sheriff in town. And it's friggin' Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. And they come in, there's the callback to the shadow walking down the steps. They kill everyone except for the tweet like dancer that they release. They kill Bib Fortuna. Boba sits on the throne, and we get Book of Boba, December 2021. Yet another spin off
1: show, I mean. Yes, and this is the part that I don't quite know is this. So that means there's a season three of Mandalorian that's separate from this
2: yes they've clarified that for everybody because that was what people were thinking when that was released this is a separate show with robert rodriguez oh nice who did chapter
1: 14. so what do we think season three of mandalorian is going to be about then
2: i'm thinking it's diving in head first bo katan and mandalore politics Mando has the dark saber making him the rightful ruler of Mandalore right now. So whatever, we need to see what that looks like. We've heard that it's been turned into glass. We've heard that it's basically been destroyed. And my biggest question is just, is Grogu benched? Are we going to get like one Grogu centric episode where we go visit the Academy and we see maybe a young Ben Solo or something like, I know he's too, it's too young at this point. Right. Because then Solo yeah. would be like two years Solo's old not, or something like that. Yeah, he's
1: not born yet. Yeah.
2: So maybe it's just Luke and Grogu are the first members. Maybe this is what causes right. Luke to start the academy. But right. I think that the show is peak to me, and I think this was it.
1: All the natural continuation points of the stories, they, they fucking spun them all off. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, so when, when, Ahsoka is fighting old girl on the Japanese planet, <laughs> and she says, "Where is he? Where is Thrawn?" I was like, "Oh, that's where the story's gonna go." Season three, we're gonna. Season three, it's the hunt for Thrawn. they are like, oh no, there's a, there's an Ahsoka spinoff." Okay, yep. well, that's yep,
2: scratch that, take that off the list. All
1: right. So then it's like, oh, well, maybe some adventures of Boba and fennec Shand, and you know. Nope, that's its own thing. Nope, scratch that what? off the list. Nope. What about this whole like police force?
2: Yeah, Okay, can we at least do the stupid police force plot one with Cardin yeah, pulling people over? It. No,
1: spit off. Right, so it's like what do you have left? And, and I think – I guess what you have left are the Mandalorians and like Mandalore politics. Hey, okay. these guys are obviously very smart and they're very good. You know, Favreau making interesting shit, Filoni at Star Wars. Right? It's it's a perfect match. So if they feel like they've got more story to tell, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be excited and it's going to be great. But I just wonder, for the more casual fan, which is what this series brought in, brought in a bunch of casual fans, Maze, Mandalorian politics, is that, that go, is, does that tickle their fancy? I don't know.
2: I think that this was a super elite season. This was one of the most enjoyable seasons of television that I can remember. It was way better than season one.
1: Ooh, way better. Way better. Hmm.
2: I think I think I would probably say that we've had the best episode three times.
1: Or your favorite episode this season?
2: Definitely the Jedi with Ahsoka. And then this episode, I think those two were I would say easily the best up to this point and then i'm probably going third i'm probably going to go with the season finale last year which opened with uh Sedakis and adam pally banter but oh I, yeah, yeah so maybe it was only two times but it definitely raised raised the bar with the ahsoka episode and then raised the bar again with this luke episode and so i'm putting it higher than that but it but was also I, like, the only show i mean and we're about to have so- yeah. We're about to be so saturated with content. Like, if we do the show next year, we're gonna have to do like four episodes a week because it's all coming out in December 2021.
1: Well, I mean, there you go. Shout out to the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Count the Things. Amazing. I'm a- <sighs> so I liked the Ahsoka episode. I really did. But I wonder—is it more about just we're excited to finally seeing Ahsoka, or was it a great episode? I thought
2: it was great. I thought the tribute to samurai culture. Stylistically, separated it from the rest of the pack. Like it was, it was very unique. It was a very it unique was episode. unique.
1: It was well done. Look, I, I I'm not here to tell you what I did not enjoy the episode. I I greatly enjoyed it. I'm just wondering how much of a bump it's getting from. Ahsoka's here. Well, it's
2: not nearly as much of a bump as it's getting from Luke Skywalker. Well, showed I mean, the
1: fuck because, up. Well, but the Luke one was completely unexpected. Right. Whereas Ahsoka was, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And it just speaks to the ability of Star Wars to keep a secret, right? That they had this in the can and, and nobody, it was never leaked, right? Uh, and that's one of the things I'm, I I talked to Jonas about. The, uh, what's the confidentiality like uh, and what kind of secrets they keep?
2: Do you have to send them collateral like Keith Raniere? Yeah. <laughs>
1: The episode that obviously this this finale, nothing beats it. Like this one, this one's probably the best episode we've had. But I really like the last episode, man, the previous episode, The Believer, because it took a character, Mayfeld, and made him so more three dimensional. Right? Like he's not just some dude who's, oh, empire's over. Let me make my way out as I can through the galaxy. Gave him purpose. Like, no, I left because the Empire is awful. And it killed not only millions of innocent people, but also our own troopers, our own enlisted. So, I I don't know. I, I really enjoyed that episode. I, I, I'm looking back at the episode guide for season one. And I'm trying to think. Obviously, the first episode was awesome. Seeing IG Eleven, you know, I mean, like that that one was such a well done episode. Uh, I like the one with the the prisoner, chapter six, and then obviously chapter eight, the season finale. That one was great too. Uh, I like. I I don't know, man. I I kind of like both seasons equally. I think season two benefits from getting to now we've established these characters now we can kind of like get deeper into the story and also we can bring back people that you know and love. It was almost like a reunion show. Like think about how many people. We saw Bo-Katan, we saw uh, Ahsoka, and Luke Skywalker. That's that's a pretty good, you know, three-pronged approach right there as far as bringing – Three of the most beloved characters in Star Wars to like.
2: Yeah, I think what I'm responding to, and when I say that it's way better, is season one was a show that was supposed to kind of exist in the margins and was supposed to be a lone wolf and cub, odd couple pairing, Mando and the kid. And I think because of how successful it was, and then just the you know the way the landscape has shifted so dramatically it's become the main focus of star wars and so i think they accelerated the timetable with like what was going to happen long term right and that's why season 2 ended the way it did and now has like spread out into all these other projects mando is star wars now like it it it's holding the banner and it's really exciting like it was just a, it was a fun moment to be a part of and i'm i'm excited for the new stuff like i i will watch most of it i will not watch the card dune space cops show
1: but you'll watch it <sighs> you're going to watch it god damn it you're going to watch it like i mean like let's be honest like that, that's and that's part of the magic of star wars is that people like us w- were, are we're pot committed Yep. There's there's no world where, Well, I, I take that back. I didn't watch Star Wars Resistance because the animation was just too distracting for me, and it felt a little too childish in a way that uh, Clone Wars and Rebels weren't. We're watch- I mean, I'm watching it. And and the other part of it, the reason why I, I, I'm I'm gonna watch it beyond like, well, what other choice do I have? Is because you know the reality is, Maze. She's so bad of an actor. There's no way they're letting her carry it.
2: They're going to sign some some other big free agent, yeah.
1: The cast is going to be amazing. And even if it's not people we've heard of, it'll like. Again, I compared it last week to a different world. I'm definitely
2: watching Mando 3, Book of Boba, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Andor, which are all the ones that are coming sooner. So by the time all of those happen... And then I think Ahsoka is probably after that, which I will also watch. So there you go. That's
1: already five. <laughs> and by the way, these things aren't all coming out at the same time. Book
2: of Boba and Mando are
1: are, are going to be are, are being concurrent. And then but, I
2: think Andor is also the closest.
1: Yeah, Andor Andor is getting is being filmed right now. Right. Like they're they're fully in production.
2: But yeah, is there anything that you want from
1: season three? Of Mandalorian, uh, you know what? My, I don't even have again. Like all the things that I was looking for, were kind of answered with all this other stuff. Yeah, like so. I'm just like, I don't even know. I guess Mandalorian politics. I'm I, I'm here for it. I want Mando to get a dope new ride. <laughs> That's what you're looking for. Instead of that,
2: Hoop Dee well, the Razor Crest.
1: L- well, let me ask you this. Let's do this because I, I asked this of Jonas. What are you most looking forward to from these these new spinoffs that are coming out
2: (laughs) Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor (laughs) face to face man that's what I want why are you giggling sign me up
1: why are you giggling about that because it's Hayden Christensen I want to see him I don't know how he did it I want him back in my life I would say for me I kind of want you know what man the Ahsoka stuff man I want to see Thrawn Ezra and Thrawn I Ezra and Thrawn and I, I like that's a story that I won't say didn't I didn't have closure on but just you know when she says to Morgan Elspeth, where is he where is Thrawn it opened up a possibility of maze that I did not realize existed thought those guys were gone sucked down the toilet bowl of the universe
2: that's what I felt when Luke showed up you know
1: yeah I mean, at least with Luke, you know he exists. You just think there's logistical production reasons why he's not there.
2: Yeah, and for some reason, I thought, like, I don't know. I feel
1: like somebody would say no. You know, like, <laughs> like Joe. I don't know why. At least it fits in the timeline. We know he exists somewhere, and he's alive. Right. And he's doing things. I thought Thrawn was gone, bro. Thrawn gone. And if he's not gone, then what has he turned into?
2: Last question about potential future shit. We talked about it more in uh, the episode where they go to the facility and we see the the vials of the experiments and stuff. Gideon's still alive. Pershing is still alive. Their plot is probably going to continue and they're probably working on Snoke slash working for Palpatine. Is that something you want to see more of? Yes.
1: I mean, yes. If Gideon is the villain moving forward, And then that's the other thing. I'm sorry, I take that back. We do know a little bit of what, what, and it's not just Mandalorian politics. The other thing is, they're clearly setting up, much as Clone Wars once did, much as Rogue One once did, to explain and fill in holes. And the hole they're filling in is okay. This whole the Emperor is alive, and the you know and. The Forbidden Zone, or whatever that that place is called, Snoke is being created in a lab somewhere. That's that's where it looks like they're going with.
2: And I think this would be an opportune time for a a little time jump. But the logistics of the other shows being concurrent makes that a little tricky. How so? Well, you can't move Mando ahead two years, let's say, unless you move everything ahead two years.
1: Exegol, by the way, Exegol. Well, you can. I think you can,
2: right? Well, like Bo- Book of Boba, right? Like he, he just walked right in there. <laughs> Is that like the first thing he did? <laughs> did he drop Mando off? And he's like, right, yeah. I'm going to go All fuck right, some you. shit up.
1: I'm going to go kill Bib Pertuna. But it, you see what I'm saying? Like once the story starts, it's in the same timeline, but they don't have to stay concurrent. Yeah. To me, when I, I saw the same timeline, I mean, it means like this doesn't take place 15 years in the future or 15 years in the past it's taking place around the same time, but they can each individually rapidly progress.
2: All right. You talk me into it. I think there's going to be a time jump. I don't know how they're going to show us that. Cause they don't, they don't do the on the screen description of the planet or, you know, three days later type shit. Like they just, they right. just let it, let it rip. So. Right. That'll be interesting to see. And then I'm sure there'll be a lot of cross-pollination. I'm sure Cardoon will show up on more than one show. I'm sure Mando will show up on more than one show. And that'll be kind of interesting to see.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, and there, it's definitely going to get one of those 70s like, Mando, what are you doing here? <laughs> Woo! The live studio audience. <laughs> you got to wait till they stop applauding before he talks. I was just in the neighborhood and wanted to see how the Academy's going. <laughs> That's a great, robust conversation, and and maybe we should end it here. But no, we won't. Up next, my one-on-one interview with Jonas Swatamo, A.K.A. Chewbacca. I'm really excited about this. Give it a
2: listen.
1: To a very special edition of Darth Amin's Rule of Two, this is the podcast you guys turn to for all things Star Wars, recapping uh, Mandalorian and uh, season two's ending, a surprise ending. But I want to start a very special. One. I want to start with uh, a gentleman who saw me at Star Wars celebration and thought of and recognized me and didn't say a word. Because, quote, he looked too busy. I'm talking about Jonas Suatamo, the man who plays Chewbacca in all of the uh, the new trilogy and, and the uh, motion picture solo. Can you take me to that day at, at Star Wars Celebration where we crossed paths but you decided to say nothing?
4: Why don't you uh, remind me of the... Uh... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no, it, it's backfired on me. Are, are you sure we uh, the Star Wars celebration? Busy weekend, such yes. a busy weekend. I've, I'm, I barely remember anything from that weekend. It was just like one phase after another. So I might have, I might have. Uh, and, and if I did forget you, I'm very sorry. No, I, it's all right. Really...
1: <laughs> that fits. That fits the the, the tone of the podcast. <laughs> Cutting me down to size. No, it was yeah. I because I believe it was the one in Chicago, and. Yeah. I go to the Star Wars celebration. It usually happens right around my birthday. So I go and I go by myself. Uh, I get my Disney hookups to get the credentials in there. And then I just, I go and I, and, you know, dive right in. I don't talk. I don't bring anybody because I don't want to have to deal with people complaining about too much walking. Uh, I'm hungry or any of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I was there and apparently we crossed paths. I did not know this until you we were on Levitard show. And I, I wasn't on that day, but I was like, "Oh, it's so cool. I tweeted about it, and you t- you tweeted me back like, "Yeah, I saw you at celebration." And I said, "Well, why did you say anything?" And say, "Oh, you look very busy." That's what you said. <laughs> and I said, you're at celebration. Well, yeah. you're you're actually working. I'm just That's there correct. to be a fan and, but uh, but for those that don't know, you are, of course, from Finland, from uh, the tiny frozen moon of Espo in the Hot system. And uh, you played college basketball at Penn State, which is very funny because when I was looking it up, I was trying to remember when you played, did I know anybody who played there? And you played with Geary Claxton and you mm-hmm. played with Taylor Battle. That's, Those are two guys that I scouted. Right. Oh, and very so, cool. Yeah. So how, how did you get from Finland to Penn State? Let's start there.
4: Well, I was a promising youth athlete and played in the uh, basketball youth national team. And we were playing in Germany, I think. And I had a couple of good games uh, there. And uh, so they started recruiting me uh, from Penn State, among other schools. And and that's how they found me. And uh, so I ended up going to Penn State because I wanted to do something with the the film program or acting sort of uh, studies. And uh, so I went to the acting program and they told me I was too tall, so I, I decided maybe I'll, I can find a spot behind the camera and, <laughs> and uh, still do what I love
1: so so when you left when you left the program at that point, you're saying to yourself, maybe I'm gonna be uh, a director, a writer what, what what were your aspirations, I guess, leaving Penn State?
4: Well, it was to do something that my heart was into like basketball was always, I, I loved playing it, but I guess I just didn't have that drive, like the mm-hmm. singular drive to, to be the best, uh, in basketball, the best that I can be. And I was always more, uh, taken to the arts more more so than, than the, uh, the ba- brutal world of, you know, professional <laughs> athletics. So, <laughs> so,
1: and, and within the world of the arts, what well, where, what role did you see? I mean, was it still acting was the main passion or were you just trying to get in where you fit in?
4: It, it was mainly just trying to get in where, wherever <laughs> I could fit. And then out of the blue comes this opportunity to play the Harry character from Star Wars and uh, being a fan of Star Wars all my life, it was just, a, you know, unbelievable coincidence and, and. Yeah, and I I jumped at it immediately.
1: So uh, this is one of my favorite things about Star Wars is the level of secrecy at times around projects. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. was on with us, and he told the story about how he got cast into Star Wars Rebels to do mm-hmm. uh, the voice of Kanan Jarrus. And like you, Freddie, lifelong Star Wars fan is really engaged in it. So he goes to the reading. It's in a in a studio because in a sound studio because it's it's voiceover, and they don't tell him what it is. They hand him a script. The script is very generic. Uh, it's, it's I think he thought the the name of the script was Two Wolves or something like that because Falony loves wolves. And he said midway through, he stops and he looks at the guys across the glass. and says, Is this Star Wars? And everyone <laughs> froze because it was supposed <laughs> to be a big secret. You're not supposed to know. You just they want to see if you you're You're a good fit or not, and then as needed, you find uh-huh. out more information for you, did you know you were auditioning to be Chewbacca or was hey, there's a role uh, we want to see you you know try this out?
4: Ah uh, it was actually, I wasn't sure. They sent me first they uh, they told me that it was a big budget Hollywood film. That's mm-hmm. all I knew from the Finnish Basketball Association got word. Of this casting project, and they were searching Scandinavia because they wanted someone with blue eyes. Apparently, mm-hmm. that's more typical there. Because Peter Mayhew, my great predecessor, had a, had blue eyes. So, but anyway, Finnish Basketball Association calls me and says there is a big budget Hollywood film, and uh, and when I send my photos in, they send me a script back saying, "Can you self tape this this scene for us?" And it was about a caveman who gets mm-hmm. hurt and who has to. I had to. Go into my. I was teaching uh, gymnastics at my old high school then, uh-huh. like part time. So I had keys to the the, the <laughs> to the uh, the gym. So mm-hmm. I went over there after school. If, if the students had seen me that day, they would probably have thought I was, I was crazy. But uh, so I was I was like stripped down to my shorts and filmed these uh, caveman scenes and uh, and and sent those in. And at that point, I wasn't sure. I was like fifty fifty. Maybe it's Star Wars, mm-hmm. but, but maybe. Or actually, I knew. Actually, no. Now, no that I I knew because I had uh, Googled some, uh, did some research on the uh, on the name of the the company that they'd set up, and uh, it was unknown that that company name was associated with uh, Star Wars. So, I I haven't talked about it until this day because out of uh, fear that I was going to get caught.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's one of my favorite things about. Is behind the scenes of these of these movies and these these uh, TV series now, is that whenever? So I was as as I said I was at celebration, and there's a point where everyone's on stage with JJ Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy, and they're all there, and you get these questions. And when a question happens, everyone turns and looks at JJ. Like, am I allowed? Am I allowed to say this? Or, everyone yeah. is so terrified. What? Without giving away too much, I guess. What are the penalties that they uh, kind of, how do they drum it into your head that you, you're not allowed to disclose anything, even when it's as advanced a stage as, as being at the celebration?
4: Well, my dad was visiting the set and uh, when when JJ came to talk to us, because he's a very nice man and, and he's always uh, making sure everyone's feeling a welcome and everything. And my dad uh, goes to him and says, we will not speak word of this. <laughs> <laughs> a word <of> the- <laughs> and, uh, JJ looks at my dad and me and said, "For some reason, I'm always the most afraid of people who say that." <laughs> 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 um, but no, there there isn't any talk. There, there doesn't need to be. The uh, everyone is in it so much uh, and uh, invested in the project that they don't want to. They don't want to. First of all, let JJ down, who's a great guy and such a visionary and so enthusiastic about you know keeping the secrets from the fans and the world so that the movie's experience would be that much greater so everyone's really uh uh pulling together there i think and there's no yeah if if things happen i don't know what the uh i i i've heard some stuff and it's not it's not very nice yeah uh, but but uh, but that stuff is not dangled in front of you said hey don't do this otherwise this will happen because uh it's such a, a minuscule amount that 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 thing goes on.
1: Yeah. No. I, I, it's the cool thing about being at, at these uh, these events is noticing how many of you and your fellow actors are truly this, your Star Wars fans, which I don't think is always the case in in some of these uh, big budget projects. Sometimes the actors are just actors. I'm I'm a mm-hmm. professional. I want to do the best job I can. I will dive into the source material because this is the job. But, you know, they didn't grow up watching the movies or whatever. And when it comes to Star Wars, and I'll never forget this, I went to uh, the Rogue One premiere. And, you know, when you go to the premiere, if you get there too early, you go in the theater, you have to hand in your phone. So you're just sitting there in the theater waiting for the show to start, and there's, you can't look on your phone. You have nothing to do. On the screen, they're playing the red carpet. And I remember the Rogue One red carpet. Everyone that came by said, they said the same two things. They said, one, how excited they were to work on Star Wars. That This was their opportunity. That they grew Mm -hmm. up watching the movies and all that. But then the second thing is, midway through production, everyone gets hit with the, oh, man, this is Star Wars. I can't fuck this up. I don't want to be the one that ruins this thing that everybody around the world loves. Did you ever feel that pressure, Jonas, as far Mm. as, oh, man, I'm stepping into the shoes of a legend here, one of the all-time beloved characters. I can't mess this up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes, I did. And it's such a, uh, playing Chewie is such a specific thing. You have to, I think, uh, bring those emotions. Whenever you step into the screen, you have to, you know, have the idiosyncrasies and all the little quirks of movement and, but also you need to do what the director wants you to do and you can't go hey JJ but I need to get this knot or this like twitch here for it to work you can't do that you just have to roll with it and uh, and uh, and I really was afraid going into uh, episode 7 force awakens uh, where where I was working with Peter Mayhew but but m- many times you know I was there and I just had to perform you know the the, the scene And, uh, and then I often ran to the monitors to see what it is that I just did, because in the mask, you're sort of not aware as much what your body does and, and the mask sitting, uh, away from your face so much, every little movement that I did, uh, was amplified because of the mask is bigger than my, my face. So it's, it's, it was just a constant balancing act and yeah. Behind that all was the fear that if I mess this up, uh, it's going to be bad. But thankfully, the fans have been so, uh, (laughs) you know, grateful that someone is giving this character the amount of care that he deserves. And and so we could continue to see him in the future.
1: You mentioned the late Peter Mayhew, who was the original Chewbacca. Chewbacca is such a a unique character because you don't really talk. Everything is, is communicates a lot very non-verbal communication how when when you have a character like that obviously people will notice mannerisms i think a lot more uh because there's no dialogue to go off of uh what were some of the pieces of advice that peter mayhew gave you and how did you i mean did you have to go back and watch old film of him over and over again to kind of get some of those mannerisms down
4: yeah exactly that's what I started with I was just watch him and i sort of got the uh the gist of of what what the character i went from the uh um the the, the core of the character the essence that he's sort of this you know not so uh <laughs> sort of like he's gazing uh mm-hmm. like a d h d type of thing yeah. where he's looking at <laughs> but he's very relaxed so he's like he doesn't he's, he doesn't sit there. Uh, intently focused on something, but he's just, you know, there as a presence in the Falcon, you know, he's just sauntering everywhere, which were in the galaxy. And so that, that was the first thing i noticed when I looked at him, uh, the character as an adult and knowing that I was going to have a a chance of playing him. So, so, and, and after that, of course, I talked to Peter Mayhew and he gave me some of the best advice because he knew what his uh, body was, you know, doing right, uh, and that that and how his because his physique was the the blueprint for Chewbacca. What he did underneath the suit turned into uh, the the mannerisms that we love, right uh, in Chewbacca, and that right. was some like yeah. yeah. So Chewbacca had to has to have a proud chest that he has to. He, he doesn't slouch. Right. You don't really see that, and then and then also when he when he turns his head. I mean, I sort of thought that. Uh, Peter Peter's neck, what maybe wasn't the most mobile, so he he was finding ways to uh right. to turn, sort of like uh sort of like Batman when he <laughs> <laughs> looks. <laughs> you know, he, uh, so Peter, bless his heart, he he was uh, such a great uh, person and uh, really uh, helped me uh, to succeed yeah. in a,
1: in a, in this way. And, and it's it's funny when you think about it because many of those things I'm I'm assuming he was just doing uh, because as you said, the limitations of the suit and and all, but now that, that becomes Canon and now you have to match something that he wasn't even maybe necessarily trying to do. I mean, obviously there are some things that are conveyed, especially the facial expressions, but for instance, the turning the way you said, that's, that's probably what just it's just probably the yeah. limitations of the suit. He's got to turn like that. So now
3: even though you might have a
1: nicer suit, you still got to do the same kind of turns and I think the suit is exactly the same. Oh, really? I mean, there are some differences. Yeah, but it's it's
4: it's um uh, uh it's this lycra suit and some places they have like I don't know if it's uh it's not crotcheted. <laughs> but it's it's almost like um almost the same, identical. There are some little improvements here and there, like the, I think the silicon and like the face is is, is basically a, a hockey mask with yeah. silicon on top or something like that. You know how hot is uh, so it in there? It gets hot because uh, because of the yak hair that's uh, taken from the the underbelly of the yak, so that it wouldn't be the coarse back hair of a yak, but the underbelly is more like softer so they've i don't know i'm sorry yaks we had to take some of your hair, <laughs> <I needed laughs>
3: because hair. There, were, there were
4: people the creature effects uh department had people like six seven eight people all the time working on one by one putting hairs through those suits mm-hmm. and it's some um, you can imagine and they made every movie they made three or four new suits so So that's because because we, for example, in solo, we wasted a suit on the first two weeks. We filmed a mud scene, and the suit went (laughs) to the mud. That suit was that's it for that one suit. Yeah, good good job. I think it was six weeks of work from those uh, eight people.
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Well, somewhere that suit I'm sure has been auctioned off and. Someone's very happy. No, I don't think anybody wants it. it shrunk. It's oh, like no. it, it's like. The size of, oh, <laughs> I, I think it shrunk and it's unusable.
0: I oh, think wow. by
4: now it's it's it, uh, it's like uh, you could use it to hit somebody because <laughs> it's so <laughs> oh, my, it's stiff. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going. I, I haven't heard anything about that suit. Hey, man. I would probably break down crying if I saw that suit because the uh, mud scene was
1: <laughs> such a trying experience. What? Well, well, how was that? It was it was
4: two weeks uh, in in solo. We started with two weeks fighting in the mud. Like where
1: where were they shooting this?
4: In in London, Pinewood Studios. Got you. okay. And uh, and it was funny because first day of shooting, the the, the little um, square shaped uh, soundstage was packed with people. Everybody excited about shooting. After those two weeks, there was only the necessary people (laughs) like if you if you could be somewhere else because there there was this uh um it was safe but they 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 used some um uh ingredients in the mud that it was safe to inhale and you know you could even eat eat it without you don't want to but (laughs) but uh, but but the particles of the mud once it dried it started floating in the air so You're, you're, you brought a nice jacket into this into the stage and it would over the course of the day get seeped in with this oh, uh, material and it was
3: it was just
4: yeah not very not very glamorous uh, <laughs> but it was memorable.
1: Well, going back to kind of talking about the secrecy, how much of the script when that, once you get the role you're doing Force awakens, how much of the script do you have? how much of the overall story do you know was happening or is it very silo look this is a scene you're doing it this and you don't really know how it fits in um
4: uh, i was always given the the full script almost i mean i think i think on the first read through they they omitted some stuff in force awakens but it was pretty much <laughs> like namely uh han solo's fate uh but but it was uh yeah, sorry for spoilers if if you haven't seen it. But it's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was always uh, the full full uh, full course of the story, and uh, and it was yeah they didn't do that because it was it would be impossible to because <laughs> we shot out of sequence right, right, many right. of these scenes and it would be really hard to think of uh, <laughs> to take them out of their context
1: right right. And- no. So the, the the scene I I often think about is uh, in Rise of Skywalker, the point where everyone thinks Chewbacca is dead. And mm. So and I was just wondering, like, did did they let them know that he's not dead? Because we find out. This again, spoiler alert. <laughs> if, if you listen, if you, listen, if you, listen, you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> sorry, yeah. um, but I, I I always wonder about that. Is do, do they, is there any part where they try to hide some of these? You know, some of these developments but i guess not
4: well yeah yeah there there were many like individual things usually involving uh ray and for example yoda was kept completely under wraps for the last jedi successfully and that was that was pretty amazing because uh they they really they were working on on him in secret to make the puppet to appear in the movie and uh nobody nobody got got a hint about that so that was one of one of the examples but there might have been others right as well
1: okay i mean then that makes sense that absolutely there's got to be some things that they just don't want just to preserve the kind of excitement for everybody i would say even the people working on it oh
4: yeah 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 for, for sure oh yeah i mean it was it was crazy how much secrecy there was in terms of hans fate in in the force awakens Mm -hmm. i mean there was there was nobody allowed on on the stage that day oh wow uh it was was a very really uh strict uh in terms of who could get in right uh when when they were shooting that because it was a big sound stage and they had this the bridge where they meet with kylo and and everything was it was green screened uh, the the floor there, there because was a they were going to add that in <laughs> yeah we didn't have that big giant <laughs> echo chamber um, but yeah it was it was pretty uh, it was yeah most people didn't know I think but I mean of course they might have gotten to know uh, through some means but it was an, an interesting and it was a really special moment in the film as well
1: yeah that's right and anyone who knew was threatened by the Disney Company, they, like, yeah, Mickey Mouse comes by and lets you know. Okay. They said, "Jonas will come after you." <laughs> no. you you're the muscle,
4: um, and then I came in, hi, hi, hey, <laughs>
3: <good?">
1: <laughs> Jonas.
4: Uh, you're supposed to be more terrifying. Oh, <laughs> <there.
1: laughs> All right, so uh, one of my favorite scenes of the Last Jedi is when Chewbacca encounters the Porgs and then ends up cooking one. And as he's about to take a bite, he just sees the look in their eyes. and and It's just so (laughs) sad. Uh, What was one of your favorite scenes to shoot uh, from all the, from all, I guess, all four of the movies that you've done? All four of the movies? Um, It
4: could be, I mean, I really enjoyed shooting with Alden, the the scene where Chewbacca um, introduces himself like what's your name and then julie yeah. says rrr, rrr. I, I thought that was a beautiful scene uh to to not only film but it turned out so great i mean i was watching it from disney plus the other day yeah i just like it reaffirmed that I, i'm most proud of that scene uh which we did with alden together because it, it was such a such a beginning and when you introduce yourself to somebody, that's the beginning of you getting to know them. And it was such a symbolical, beautiful uh, scene. Um, but but uh, on the action side of things, I really enjoyed in solo again. <laughs> no, no surprise that all of these are from solo because I, Chewbacca got so much screen time in solo. Right. So there were so many moments. Like every day, I got so good at like nailing uh, the performance quickly because I was it working every day. Yeah, and, the, and there were like... It, this um uh, this uh routine set in and i was just like instantly okay so i'll walk here and do this and do that and it was like cool cool we got that scene and uh but yeah Solo, my favorite was uh, when uh, lando gets hit and l3 gets hit in the mines when we're escaping the Kessel mines and chewbacca has to make a run for it to save them and uh and i, I got to run as fast as i could <laughs> it's just amazing because I, I could just like forget all the uh um my job was to just run as fast as i could yeah. so i was like back to being an athlete and we're doing we're doing suicides and and uh, if i don't make it i have to do 20 push-ups or something
1: <laughs> I, that- I didn't think State. about that that they <laughs> they got you they got you back on the on the on the track basically you have to work Yeah, Ron out.
4: Howard was tough man. He was so it was tough. <laughs> 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 no. Not like that, but yeah, it was it was cool to uh to shoot cuz um, moments like that they're quick to shoot. You do them like 3 or 4 times and mm-hmm. and you just get to, you know, let loose and uh test yourself. So it was it was awesome. Uh
1: by the way, in the scene where he meets of han for the first time i like that han speaks broken wookie like yeah. <laughs> his Wookie's not he speaks wookie but not well i i, I thought that was a nice touch <laughs> yeah it
4: was it was it was a cool thing and he really uh, alden really uh dig in he was actually working with uh rest in peace andrew jack our vocal coach oh, okay. uh and they were they asked me one day to come to alden's trailer and say okay, what? So, what do you do when you do it? And I was like,
3: <laughs>
4: "Hey, quit kidding! We're serious here. Like, I'm being serious." <laughs> no, that, yeah. Never mind. That didn't happen. But, anyways, it was you know, Andrew Jack was really, um, uh, you know, interested in and as a dialect coach working in the films. He, yeah, he passed. Uh, I think it was this summer to COVID wow. in London. Yeah, very sad. Very sad. But it was he was such a big help. Uh, in Alden and, and us working uh, on on the uh, Wookiee language.
1: Last week we had all these announcements of all the Star Wars universe is going to expand greatly, mostly on the TV side, but also a few films. I know about the confidentiality stuff, but in general, will we be seeing Chewbacca somewhere in something new at some point?
4: I'm just going to give you kathy's number here <laughs> <They're> gonna-
1: <laughs> the snipers are ready they're like he's,
4: he asked him the question
1: i'm a disney employee too so my house is probably bugged as well <laughs> they're coming to get me too
4: yeah well, I- man i i hope if if they if if it if, it, if it, there's a right story i don't i i don't want to dilute or you know jeopardize i think it, there has to be the right story right or and the other uh, the uh, the right reason for the character to come. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll see him in the future uh, very
1: soon, or maybe we'll have to wait a little while. Who knows? All right, so let's do this. I've asked you enough questions about Jonas the actor. Now I'm going to ask you questions as a Star Wars fan. All right. So first of all, Mandalorian season two is over. We got a, a finale that was as climactic as, I guess, climaxes go. Uh, what were some of your favorite highlights of the season? Some of my favorite highlights. Uh, I was
4: I was actually uh, I was actually doing my YouTube on my YouTube channel Yono World. I was doing uh, in the first half of the season. I was doing a recap of my yeah. favorite moments every every se- uh, every uh, episode. And um, uh, but uh, but my one of my favorites. I mean, definitely, uh, it was the uh, jetpack flying in all of the season like when yeah. they were when they're when they're flying to take on the crate dragon with um cop van yeah, uh, yeah. in, in this in the first or second episode that was one of my favorites uh yeah. that that whole episode like timothy oliphant was just so good but yeah also the, um, the the takedown of when they took over the uh, cargo ship in episode six or five Five. with the uh, other Mandalorians. Right. And the last episode was just too epic. The, uh, all of it, all of it, just like the, uh, (laughs) the the staff, the spear. Right. That he used. was just like epic beyond, beyond everything. So.
1: The, the funny thing for me was up until the last episode, I thought the episode before it was one of my favorites. The scene in the mess hall with uh, Bill Burr, and uh, the, uh, is it Hess, Captain Hess? And uh, and obviously uh, Mando. They're sitting there, and you could tell every time Pedro Pascal looks at him like, shut up, (laughs) stop talking, because he keeps (laughs) bringing up things that happened in the past. And I thought for a character who, for the most part, you know, Bill Burr's character Mayfeld, comic relief, you know, he's a funny guy. It it was a lot of depth right there. You realize oh, yeah. he's not just ex-Imperial, like, ah, this Empire's over. I'm going to do my own thing. But he's really hurt by some of the actions of the Empire. Yeah. And, and just that whole scene just kept pushing Operation Cinder. Remember what happened on, uh, you know, it, it, what's the name of the planet? Uh, I'm getting old. Anyway, Alderaan? Just, no, it wasn't Alderaan. It was... Ald- uh, Oh, now, now I have to look and see. I was gonna keep going. Operation Cinder <laughs> Mayfeld. It's see, I go crazy. This is this is my this is my uh this is my uh, my my OCD because I literally won't leave it alone anymore. Planet name? How about that? Burning Con. There you go. Okay. Burning Con. Right. So, right. So three, two, one. For what happened on Burnham Con, where it wasn't just the death of a lot of civilians, but also the death of many of his his fellow soldiers and or his, you know, guys that he was in the Imperial Army with. So I just thought it was a, a great scene that really gave depth to one of the characters who had only been seen as a certain kind of way. Um, but then obviously last episode, you just I, I was watching with my my oldest. My oldest is ten years old. And it's a very tense scene. Moff Gideon is yeah. mocking them. The death uh, the dark troopers are outside, and uh Kara turns around and says, Oh, one X Wing, great. And <laughs> I I, I, hit, I went, you know, I, I made a noise and my ten year old said, Ahsoka! And I said, Ahsoka doesn't fly an X Wing. And that's what ten year old said, Oh, it's Luke. And so you come out and shroud it, then you see the one hand with the glove. And the other hand is there. Yeah. And I just, man, like I got goosebumps right now thinking about it. Just an exactly. amazing. Amazing scene. Unbelievable scene, yeah. Uh, real quick of the upcoming projects that you learned about as a fan. You don't know anything about anything. You're just a fan at home, and you heard, oh, look, they're releasing all these new Star Wars projects. The one that Jonas is most excited to watch. Ooh. Hmm. and i got a list are for you they, right here if you, if you need a, if you need help
4: i mean I, i'm i'm excited about the boba Fett one okay i'm really excited about that but of course i'm excited but i'm not sure are they making uh um mandalorian is still going to keep on going and there's a boba Fett in addition to that is what i understood yes
1: is that, am
4: i right am i that's, right about that, so, that yeah. that's
1: that's how i've understood it as well
4: Exactly. I mean, yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's casting Andor and Obi-Wan. I'm really excited about Obi-Wan because we get to see that he didn't just spend hermit years yes. when he went to Tatooine. Um or, uh, unless it's going to be a re- one of those se- inside a cave for the whole season, you know, never been done <laughs> with before. With the, <laughs>
1: yeah, with the sand people, with <laughs> the Tusken, with the sand
4: people doing learning their language uh uh that could be interesting, but but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, there's so many. I, but I would say the top of my list, uh, probably Boba Fett. Now, now yeah. And then, yeah. I have. A, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about all of them.
1: I'm excited about all of them. I have a confession. As I wear a Boba yeah. Fett t-shirt, Boba oh, Fett's okay. I've always I've always been very surprised by how excited people are about Boba Fett, especially talking from the perspective of the original trilogy. Because he shows up in Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, he's one of the bounty hunters. And then he ends up, you know, Cloud City and all that in the, in the scene and the painting behind me here. Uh, and then in Return of the Jedi, he's at Jabba's palace. And he falls into the Sarlacc pit. I've always been surprised that of such limited screen time. So many people loved him. And like, oh my God, Boba Fett's my favorite character. So he barely shows up. Now, Clone Wars did a good job of giving us backstory about you know how, how he grew up and all that, especially after he lost his father. And then I'm like, okay, now it makes more sense. And then obviously Mandalorian, it, it all comes together. But I've always been kind of surprised that people love Boba Fett as much as they do. I'm yeah. not saying I don't like him. I'm just saying, I, you know, he's okay in terms of my favorite characters. Um, I'll tell you the one that I'm I'm excited about. Because I'm, I'm such a big fan of the, the animated series, uh, mm. Clone Wars and Rebels. I want to see Ahsoka. I want, Thrawn was one of these great villains in, uh, in, in Rebels, and uh, just this season in Mandalorian, watching Ahsoka finally ask, "Where is he? Where's Thrawn?" I'm like, go, "Oh, they're still. We didn't just send them away forever. They're somewhere, and we're gonna go find them now. Him and Ezra. So." Exactly. Yeah, that's that. That's definitely one I'm looking for. Then, of course, Obi Wan. Everyone wants to see, you know, what happened in those years, and mm-hmm. and then Cassian. I, I, I like Andor's because he had a line in Rogue One where he talks about we've all done terrible things right. for the rebellion. In the name of the rebellion, I want to know what these terrible things are. You, exactly. I want him to be a terrible person. Yeah.
4: It's time to come
1: clean, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you go on this because I just thought about it as we were talking about favorite upcoming ones. And you can't pick Chewbacca. Favorite, oh. yeah, is it? favorite Star Wars character. <laughs> this can be from the, from the TV series, from the movies, from the original trilogy, from the prequels, anybody. who Who is your favorite, or let's say your top three favorite, because I know everyone always says I can't pick one.
4: I did. I did the, one of these uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, one of them was Admiral Mahdi, who speaks up to Vader. Yeah, <laughs> and lives. And that that's a pretty cool feat uh, to to do that in New Hope.
3: Yeah,
4: and uh, and uh, who else? Who else did I have? Um. I don't know. I, I mean, one of my favorites is Dak from Empire Strikes Back, who's Luke's co-pilot. Yeah, and uh, he, yeah, he's he's got that attitude. Like, hey, I'm feeling good, Luke. I could take on the whole Empire myself. <laughs> like that that is sort of a signature rebellion uh, yeah. type of attitude. So I always loved him because he was such as like a such a small role, I and mean, he was basically thrown away. He dies yeah. instantly in the fight, but he has his line. So it's it just kind of maybe that the Boba Fett effect there. So I got so little of him.
1: What more? It leaves you wanting more, which is what yeah, every great yeah. entertainer so,
3: does.
4: So yeah,
1: John Morton, who plays
4: him, he he was really surprised when I told him that, that I was like, I always like as a kid looked up to you. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then who else? Who else? I, I've forgotten all my top five list uh, members except Admiral Mahdi. But, um, I mean Darth Vader is Darth Vader or Han Solo I mean th- those two have to be up there because there's just no comparison right uh, like they have they have so much life I- in them and 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 Darth is just being so evil right. and uh, in finding new ways to strangle people throughout these movies is is <laughs> amazing. I mean not in a, in a bad way amazing uh, no, it's just uh, yeah it's just uh, the it, it's just like such a cool juxtaposition uh of these good guys trying to do the right thing and then yeah. you have this no uh no means
1: uh but, no holds barred and yet even that guy still had a little bit of good in him somewhere right that's that's exactly the, that's the beauty the beauty of the story uh is there anyone that you didn't like as a character I'm not saying like from not not from the storytelling standpoint, but like you know how sometimes you're watching something like I don't like that guy. Is there anyone you didn't like you're rooting Steve. against? Them?
4: Well, actually, I was a Bill Burst. I loved him as a comedian. Yeah, but I didn't. I was like, no. It was when he uh, <laughs> when he uh, turned uh, against Mando. Yeah, I was like, oh, you deserve <laughs> to get it now, and I was really surprised and did not have much expectations when when he came yeah. back and then this uh this whole him having that one um <laughs> that that one like uh, thing to pick with the empire yeah. that sets him up uh, sets him off on this uh, revenge sort of thing yeah. spontaneously that was interesting you're right you're right that was interesting
1: that's by the way uh my favorite thing for that season one is when mando's hunting them down one by one and Bill Burr's the last one, and he before he even sees him, he knows no. He just yells out no because he knows it's about to happen. Great scene <laughs> yeah. for the that record. For the record, the guy i have never liked was Wedge. Wedge, Wedge oh my yeah. god, Wedge is the biggest negative guy. I don't know. Oh, see the size of that thing. Oh, you can't. And he's always, always complaining, and somehow he survives the whole thing. In my mind as a child and as I've grown up, I made up my mind, he's a coward. He just kept hiding. He got, he's the one guy. His X-Wing got clipped. Instead of, like, sacrificing himself so that Luke could get this shot on the Death Star, he says, I'm yeah. no good to you. I got to go. We're like, what do you mean you got to go? Where are you going, Wedge? Right. What do you guys do? Grocery shopping to do?
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Always yeah, th- you're right. You're right. I better, uh, I better realign uh, my, uh, my list <laughs> no no but uh, this is a uh, wedge i he's so trustworthy he's everywhere he's in all the movies and that yeah. he he w- wins by perseverance i think but yeah, yeah. It, there are some people giving like for example um what's his name biggs yes what's it biggs dark who yeah. uh yeah who supposedly be uh, luke's best friend and real top pilot and he dies in immediately. I mean, yeah. that, those are all like, it, you it know just why? goes
1: to show, huh? But you know yeah. why? Because Biggs wasn't a coward. He was ready to put his life on the line. Meanwhile, True. this is how you, Wedge is an old man flying in uh, rides of Skywalker. How are you still alive? How is this possible? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know how. Every time danger comes, you just kind of, oh, I got to go.
4: <laughs> but I he forget. did make it to the canyon. He made it to the canyon to, to attempt the uh, and help Luke. But Biggs didn't even make it to the yeah. canyon, right? He, he no. just... <laughs>
1: The, pri- the sorry, price, the price, the price of bravery.
4: <laughs> yeah, he could have been because he had that. Have you seen the deleted clip from New Hope when they yeah. when um, when they're on Luke goes to the house party? Yeah, yeah. He was probably he was partying too hard. Yeah, you know what? The edge. Look,
1: <laughs> look sometimes the, the the flame burns a little too hard, and you, you <laughs> the people who live hard, they they party hard, they die hard. So exactly. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold against Biggs because he, he was. He, he was committed to the cause. That's why.
4: <laughs> we'll give him that. Yeah, you're right. I'll take it back. I take it back.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well, Jonas, thank you so much for joining us, man. This is this has been a, a real pleasure. Uh, and you know, anytime if you're going to talk about, I guess basketball, you can bring me on or, or whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm available. I do party party tricks. You know, <laughs> I, I, I do clown shows. Anything you need, just look me up. I'm I'm in the yellow pages, as they say.
4: Excellent. Will do. I will certainly do. Thank you, man. Awesome. And Thanks, uh, so. yeah, sorry, sorry for. Um, I I do vaguely remember that uh, no.
1: uh, that celebration. celebration. Don't okay. clean it up now. It's, no. Yeah, yeah. The the, the the name of the podcast is Rule of Two because the Sith code is that there's a master and apprentice, but at some point the apprentice. Either overcomes and kills his master and becomes a master, or the master kills the apprentice and finds the apprentice. I think for the first time I'm the master, the first time my apprentice has killed me, killed me at the very beginning of the podcast. You sir (laughs) have have survived rule of two. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, man. Thank you.
3: I said,